Thanks for joining us on Transportation Radio. I'm your host, Bernie Wagenblast. Through the many interviews we've done here, we've talked quite a bit about exciting ideas and projects. One element almost all of them need, though, is funding. From the federal level to local government, finding the dollars to make it happen is one of the biggest challenges. Our guest today is someone who is very familiar with funding issues at the state level. Ananth Prasad served as Florida's Secretary of Transportation for nearly four years and has been with HNTB for two and a half years as their National Transportation Practice Leader and Senior Vice President. Ananth, welcome to Transportation Radio. Good to be with you, Bernie. Back in December, you penned an op-ed piece about investing in America's infrastructure. At the time, President-elect Trump was saying he was planning on proposing to spend $1 trillion on the nation's infrastructure over the coming decade. We're now five months into the Trump administration. Can you give us an update? Where do things now stand? Bernie, you know, I think it's uh, very exciting and promising that President Trump has been talking about investing in infrastructure, and it's uh, much needed. Uh, as we all know, that the foundation of a good economy is based on having good infrastructure, whether, you know, we're going to access to good quality health care, good quality education, or good jobs, you need good quality infrastructure. Um, the president talked about a trillion-dollar package, uh, the 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 premise of that is based on uh, federal investment of $200 billion that gets leveraged in a 5-to-1 ratio through public-private partnerships so that where private sector can bring private equity and invest in much-needed infrastructure projects, therefore taking that $200 billion of federal investment and getting a trillion dollars worth of projects out on the street. So. Uh, truly, truly exciting. Um, but I think it, 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 while it is promising that, uh, that the infrastructure plan will able to move some mega projects out, the underlying premise, the underlying problem that the highway trust fund at the federal level is still broken. And the president's plan does not do anything to address that. And I think, uh, I wish, uh, uh, President Trump ran on being transformational and making America great again, that I would hope that he would uh, look at that fundamental issue uh, in trying to make the highway trust fund solvent because that's what's needed uh, beyond the trillion-dollar investment to to make our infrastructure great again. Talking about that federal highway trust fund, a number of states during the past year voted in their state legislatures to increase state gas taxes, but there hasn't been much talk about doing that at the federal level. Is it an easier process to do at the state level than it is at the federal level? Well, that's an interesting question. You know, a lot of states, as you mentioned, have raised uh, their own state uh, gas tax, and these states are the uh, deep blue states like California to deep red states like Utah and Tennessee. While that's happening at the state level, uh, Congress uh, seem to uh, seem to keep raising gas tax off limits. Now, President Trump has uh, put forward that he's open to all tools and all uh, opportunities of investments, and including the raising the gas tax. And I think uh, I think it'll behoove on Congress to look at what the states are doing. Uh, I think ARPA had a stat that 98 uh, percent of the of the uh, legislators who voted to raise the gas tax uh, were reelected. Um, so 
I think in our uh, HNTB polling also shows that a lot of folks are, you know, are open to uh, raising the gas tax because unlike other taxes, gas you it's a user fee. People know what they're paying for. You 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 pump gas, you pay gas tax, and the reason you're pumping gas is because you're you're getting ready to get on a road. So it's a direct nexus versus. Uh, the skepticism that a lot of Americans have as to ca- as to income tax or other taxes that we pay, uh, and where does that tax uh, revenue gets invested in, and do uh, I as a taxpayer get any direct benefit? That's not that's never in question when it comes to gas tax. When I pump gas and I pay gas tax, I'm using the transportation infrastructure facility, and the gas which is funded predominantly through uh, the revenues generated from the gas tax. Talking about the gas tax, as more vehicles become hybrids or even electric vehicles, that source of funding becomes a little more scarce. What about other ways of funding the Highway Trust Fund? Well, yeah, electric vehicles, fuel-efficient vehicles are putting stress on the gas tax. I think a couple of states, specifically Georgia, that recently raised the gas tax, indexed their gas tax to CPI, uh, to inflation, and to the corporate average fuel economy standards. So in theory, uh, as uh, as the fleet becomes more efficient and, uh, and, and as inflation uh, grows, the gas tax adjusts itself. So, you know, so I think that's a pretty, uh, I think that's, Georgia was one of the first states who've done that. A lot of states index their gas tax to inflation, but not to fuel economy standards. Now, you know, if we get to a point where there are more electric cars, uh, then we need to revisit how do we, how do we fund infrastructure. Uh, there's been talked about uh, uh, some sort of mileage-based user fee, um, while, you know, uh, while from a mathematical standpoint and philosophical standpoint, uh, it does make sense, uh, but collecting and the infrastructure needed uh, to collect a mileage-based fee uh, could be very daunting. Um, you know, and so I, I, I think, you know, but there's other models to do that. You know, there's been talk about if you're an electric vehicle, you pay an access fee, so to speak, to access the the roadmap work is based on how many miles you drive, uh, and then you pay a flat fee rather than uh, trying to get uh, billed for every mile you drive. So I think we just need to uh, continue to keep an eye on those changing uh, trends as to how vehicles are powered. But that's still, you know, 10, 15, 20 years out. And we got a problem now where you have a federal highway trust fund that uh, can't sustain itself while our infrastructure is crumbling, uh, we, need to, we need to address that basic uh, question. As you indicated earlier, transportation is just one element of infrastructure. It includes health care, education, the electric grid, a, a number of things are part of infrastructure in this country. Any indications how large a role transportation infrastructure will play in any spending plan? Well, that's not clear yet. Obviously, the president's talked about ports, waterways, uh, including electric uh, transmission lines, uh, transportation. So while $200 billion federal investment uh, being leveraged to a trillion dollars of infrastructure investment by, uh, by the current administration, uh, is still to be determined how much of that uh, initial $200 billion 
would be uh, towards uh, transportation infrastructure. But regardless, as you know, there's uh, the Congress passed the FAST Act, uh, which is the five-year federal highway bill uh, that allocates uh, federal revenues to the state. And we're in year uh, two or maybe year three of the FAST Act. I think we're in year two. Um, what President Trump is talking about is, is, is on top of that. So the five-year FAST Act was for $300 billion. Uh, President Trump's infrastructure plan is uh, $200 billion of direct investment over 10 years. That's a trillion dollars over 10 years. Uh, even if it's a quarter of it gets spent on infrastructures, that's that much more than what we have today that we're investing in. So it's a, still a net sum gain, but, uh, you know, uh, being a transportation professional myself, I would probably be more biased to just let's go invest in the the roads, the bridges, the airports, uh, ports and waterways. Uh, but obviously uh, the president has to watch for the entire infrastructure of this country. Spending on infrastructure is a topic that seems to be getting bipartisan support, at least in a general way. But does that bipartisan support continue as we get down to the project level? Well, Infrastructure is, you know, always uh, was a bipartisan issue. I think a couple of challenges before we get into even to the project selection is that the, the plan of leveraging $200 billion into a trillion dollars, how does rural states um, gain from that? As, uh, you know, when you're, when you're talking about public-private partnership, uh, the government still has to pay back those private investors. So there's got to be a revenue mechanism to pay for that. And typically... Uh, that's through some sort of toll roads or fees that are collected, right? In airports, uh, you pay passenger facility charges. There's a revenue stream that you can pay back the private investors. If it's a toll road, there's toll revenue. Um, in some states, like Florida, where they've done, we've done availability payments, we've allocated future uh, gas tax revenues as a payment mechanism. A lot of these tools will not be in play in a rural state, such as Kansas, Missouri, Montana, where the level of congestion is not there for you to charge a toll. The state current revenue mechanism is such that they can't, uh, they can't afford to allocate their existing revenue stream towards payback, towards uh, a public-private partnership. Um, so, so I think that's some of the conversation that is taking place is how do we craft this infrastructure plan so those rural states can also benefit. Um, so I think that's going to be the bigger challenge. The project selection, you know, it is a pretty, you know, in the big scheme of things, is pretty straightforward. Um, unlike, you know, what people may think, a lot of projects are selected ground ground up. Uh, there's an MPO process that prioritizes project that comes up to at the state level, and based on funding, it gets allocated. Um, you know, I think that you know that that to me works well. If there's some sort of uh, pot of money that the federal government will allocate to projects of national significance, uh, then my advice would be is that, that there's a clear criteria laid out about how projects are selected and how do you pick winners. Um, and but the sheer fact that it's going to be some sort of public-private partnership, I, I would think that you would one would look at a return on investment or uh, some sort of really uh, objective metric on what project gets picked or what projects don't get picked. Uh, 
that's sort of been a little bit of the uh, the criticism of the Tiger Grant process. While it's been very popular, a lot of folks are still uh, uh, still sort of clueless as to what does make for a good project that gets a Tiger Grant. You know, um, Florida and Florida, we've not been benefactors of many Tiger projects, so. Um, so I think laying out a clear objective criteria and making sure pro- we pick projects that are of national significance uh, uh, that uh, that support the overall objective what the, the administration wants to do when it comes to creating jobs, moving of goods um, across state, and making uh, American product more competitive. I think we just need to make sure that we invest the money on the right projects and. Uh, and, and I think I hope that that's what happens. When we talk about the state of infrastructure in this country, the question comes up on how we got here. One of the reasons uh, that some people would point to is deferred maintenance. Government at all levels postponed doing work to keep the transportation infrastructure in a state of good repair because of budget constraints and things of that sort. Even if we do see a major influx of funding to improve infrastructure, how do we avoid allowing the same thing to happen in the future? Well, I think the the infrastructure plan the administration is talking about is is, is more focused on moving uh, big projects, projects that are of national significance, uh, projects that could be on critical commerce corridors. So, uh, the trillion dollars that's been that's been talked about is not going towards deferred maintenance. It is going towards. Uh, uh, rehabbing existing infrastructures that are deteriorating or adding capacity. I think it goes back to uh, the deferred maintenance, uh, the, the upkeep and preservation of the system. Typically, that is a state's responsibility. Now, you cannot use federal government, federal dollars to maintain the interstate. Federal uh, dollars are only used for basic, you know, rehab, rehabbing the facility or adding capacity. So that's a state's decision, and I think that's why you are seeing a lot of states uh, recognizing that it's important that they address that issue by raising their own gas tax. And furthermore, you're seeing more and more states uh, kind of going down the path of a constitutional lockbox, so that uh, so that we don't so that transportation revenues through increased gas tax and increased user fees uh, related to transportation don't get diverted. Um, to other budget needs. And that's where, uh, unfortunately, we will lose uh, and we have lost credibility from the taxpayer is that where we have sold them a bill of goods in the past that, we, you know, you pay more gas tax and we'll uh, keep the infrastructure in good state of mind, but another crisis came upon and the revenues got directed to address that crisis. So, you know, um, you know the voters, the public, they're smart, um, and you know we just need to make sure we're true to our word, and we and you know and people understand when you hit, you know the the Great Recession, then everybody's gotta you know gotta take cuts and have to do what's what's necessary for the greater good. But if in in some states like Connecticut and others where uh, revenues, gas tax revenues get diverted. Uh, to other other budget shortfalls that which have nothing to do with transportation, uh, then it makes it e- that makes future um, funding initiatives of transportation that much more difficult. And it you know, uh, but there's nobody to blame that than folks who espouse those sort of strategies. And how much of a role does technology play 
in improving the nation's transportation infrastructure? I think you know, we're going through a technology revolution right now, whether you're talking about autonomous cars or connected vehicles or, you know, all this ride-sharing. I think technology can truly play a part. Um, you know, what what technology can do is increase the efficiency of the existing infrastructure. You know, cars, if cars are connected, uh, maybe they can uh, they can uh, they can follow each other much closer. Uh, technology can avoid crashes. When they avoid crashes, then you're avoiding congestions and bottlenecks on the highway. So technology is definitely will help um, squeeze more capacity uh, from the existing infrastructure. So um, you know uh, that's a good thing. So that we're utilizing what we got today much more efficiently. But by by no means that's going to solve the need, uh, the future need of, uh, of what's uh, what we need um, as it comes to infrastructure. You've been listening to Transportation Radio. My guest today has been Anath Prasad, the National Transportation Practice Leader and Senior Vice President with HNTB. Anath, thank you so much for being my guest. Bernie, good to be with you.